So good to be back with you guys. Happy 2022. Go ahead and take your copy of God's Word out and turn to the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis chapter 12, and it's usually during the second week of the year that we reveal kind of the word of the year. And and I don't know that God will always do this, but for the past several years, what he's done is sometime during the previous year, he's given us a word that we just, we really seek the Lord after. So we, it's not, you know, we don't Google it or, or, or see what, what's trending in church world. We ask the Lord, God, what do you want your word for Multiply Church for 2022 to be? And it was interesting over the, over the holiday, I had a couple weeks vacation and um, we took all of my journals from the past year and was just going through, you know, all of my past journals and was just being kind of reminded of, of what God had been speaking this past year. And it was actually, it was actually during the 21 days of prayer in 2021 when God gave us the word for the year in 2022. And I, I say that in part to say, can I just encourage you, challenge you, prod you, poke you in whatever way to make 21 days of prayer a priority. Things happen when we pray that don't happen when we don't pray. You don't know what God is going to birth, what he's going to uh, call forth, what blessing that he's going to open up, what miracle he is going to do. And so that's going to be every day, every day for the next 21 days. And it's going to be over at Sweet Five. So it's going to be across the street and there's a reason for it. And I might tell you the reason for it at the end of service. But the word anyway, back to the word of the year is is the word, I believe, that God is speaking over this house, generations. Generations, the power of generations. You know, when you look at generations when it comes to the passing on of Christian faith and even the church world and, and, and church attendance among the younger generation across the United States, the, the statistics, well, they haven't been good. And statistically, it's, it's getting worse. Millennials and Gen Z, uh, according to a lot of research, are leaving the church. The drop-off rate, it says, has been most pronounced among people ages 23 to 38. In 2019, roughly two-thirds of those in that age bracket attended worship services at least a few times a year. Four in ten said they seldom or never go. A decade before that, it was more than half and only three in ten respectively. And so it wasn't great in 2009, but it was even worse in 2019. And that was before all of the last two years. Nearly 40% of young people, this, this, uh, st- these statistics go on to say ages 13 to 25 indicate that they're unaffiliated, whether agnostic, atheist, or nothing in particular. Depending on how you interpret teenagers' commitment to Christ in the first place, between 50 and 88% of teenagers are leaving the church by their first, by the end of their freshman year in college. Other research, however, has shown that this departure from the church happens before they hit college, and college is just simply the release point of the freedom from the faith of their parents. But what we are emphasizing this year in the house of Multiply is not in our house and not on our watch. Psalm 112.2 says, their children will be mighty in the land. I declare that over you. Your children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. 
And again, we're talking about our physical generations and our spiritual generations. This is for our children, for your adult children, for your prodigal children, for your future children, for our future spiritual children. We are believing that the children of multiply, that the generations of multiply will be mighty in the land. Craig, Craig Hill has written a book. He wrote a book several years ago called The Power of a, a Parent's Blessing. And, and part of what he does is he chronicles uh, the blessing that is passed on. Jewish people, the Hebrew people, have a way of pronouncing blessing, right? At age, at age 13 and early in life and later in life, they're very intentional. Every Friday night, even, even sometimes in secular Jewish households that they may not be Christian faith, uh, or they may really not have, have much of any faith, but they still understand this culture of blessing. And so they will pass on blessing to their children. Now, I want you to listen to some of these statistics just about the Jewish people in America. Did you know that the percentage of Jewish households that make over 50,000 dollars a year is tw- are twice as many as non-Jewish. The percentage of Jewish households with an income of less than $20,000 a year is less than half of those who are non-Jewish. 40% of the top 40 Forbes, rich- Forbes richest Americans are Jewish. One third of American multimillionaires are Jewish. 40% of partners at the leading law firms in New York and DC are Jewish. 30% of American Nobel Prize winners in science and 25% of all American Nobel Prize winners in general are, are, are Jewish. And he says this, he says, Christian children go, go, grow up thinking I'm going to work at the bank. Jewish children grow up thinking I'm going to own the bank. You say, Pastor, are you being stereotypical? No, I'm being statistical. And right, this is deep. Where does all this come from? Listen, I want to show you that this is deeply rooted in Scripture. That the Jewish people understand a powerful, a powerful principle from Scripture. And I want to teach this principle to God's people through this series. Because if the Jewish people who may not even have faith in Christ understand the power of passing on generational blessing, then how much more can the people of God and our generation step into all that God has for us? Genesis chapter 12. The Lord said to Abram, leave your native country and your relatives and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you and I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who treat you with contempt. And all the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed and Lot went with him and Abram was 70 Five years old when he left Haran and he took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people that he had taken into his household at Haran, and he headed for the land of Canaan. And when they arrived in Canaan, Abram traveled through the land as far as Shechem, and then he set up camp beside the oak at Morah. At that time, the area was inhabited by the Canaanites. And then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your descendants. And Abram built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord who had appeared to him. And after that, Abram traveled south and set up camp in the hill country where Bethel, with Bethel to the west and Ai to the east. 
And there he built another altar and dedicated it to the Lord and he worshiped the Lord. And just in case you might be saying, but, but pastor, these are old covenant promises and, and, and God was just speaking to the household of Abraham and, and, and I'm not of Jewish descent. Listen to what the apostle Paul says in the New Testament in Galatians 3.29. Paul declares, and now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs and God's promises to Abraham belong to you point to yourself and say this is for me come on every every good one I don't know about you but I want to live there I want our church to live there I want our generations to live there I want our our spiritual generations and our physical generations to know so I want to teach through this passage how we can live in the fullness of generational promises the first thing that I find in the scripture is that sometimes it involves leaving your comfort zone did you notice the first thing that God said to Abram he was 75 years old and he said pack up up. It's time to go. And, and did you notice this? Abram, Abram did not have just a few possessions. It says that Abram was very wealthy. He had a lot of servants. He had a lot of belongings. He was blessed in many areas. 70. Can you imagine starting over at 75 years old? Here's what I found. I found this. It was easier to follow God in some ways with just absolute abandonment at 18 than it was at 38 and 40. Seven, not 48 yet, but, right? There was just, there was, why? why? Uh, there was a lot less to risk. Like when I was, when I was 18 years old on May 5th, 1997, every, why, I, this, that was my first day at this church as, a, as an intern, 22 years old. Every earthly belonging I had fit in the bed of my 1993 Ford Ranger pickup truck. Now all of my junk that should be at Goodwill wouldn't even fit in the bed of my, come on, like how many of you know, like just through, you accumulate some stuff through the, anybody moved recently? Anybody got a bunch of new stuff for Christmas and then just packing away the old stuff? Like it, it, once we, what sometimes what happens is when we get to an advanced stage in life, it becomes a little bit harder to risk everything for Jesus. Listen, this is what I felt led to tell somebody today is that there's somebody in the house today that's starting a brand new phase of your life at a later age than you anticipated. I don't know if it's a new family situation, a new job, a new, maybe you just moved to North Carolina, a new church and new whatever it is and the Lord told me to tell you that he's in it he's in it he was in it at 27 and he's in it at 75 he is calling you and the Lord is going to bless you incredibly he sees what you've left he sees how you've stepped out in faith he sees how you've obeyed him he sees how you've trusted him and the blessing of Abraham be upon you and he will multiply that which he has given given you immensely he's pleased with your obedience. Here's what, here's what I know. It's a lot easier to fall into comfort than it is to fall out of comfort. And all the people that found that over Christmas break say amen. I, I consider myself fairly disciplined. Get up early. Try to work out a few times a week. It took me a few days of not getting up early and not working out to never want to do either of those things again in my life. <laughs> I was like, I'm, I'm good. I'm not dead. I'm gonna, I, got, I got a little sick over Christmas break too, and there were points where um, you, know, just, you don't want to eat. I forced myself to eat. 
just because I wanted to. Like, I'm like, it's Christmas. I'm going to eat fattening, sugary things, whether, they, whether it's good for me. Like, I just for, I forced myself. It's easier to sit down on the couch than get up off the couch. And yet, and yet here's what, so, so here's what I know. You can fall into comfort, but it takes intentionality to get out of comfort. And I, and I wonder what God might be calling us to intentionally move on from some comfort in 2022. Maybe it's joining a tribe for the first time. Maybe it's stepping out into ministry and being a multiplier for the first time. Maybe it's getting up for 21 days and, and getting your coffee ready and your clothes laid out the night before so that we can step into 21 days of, of prayer. I don't know what God is calling you, but I know that he is always calling us to move on following Jesus. This was never about being comfortable, and I know that's not an easy amen, but come on, everybody said amen, amen. And then to, to step into the fullness of these generational promises, it takes building the fullness of the fire. Verse 7 says this, then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to who? To your, to your descendants. Here's what I noticed, that every time God renews his covenant blessings in Scripture, he pronounces himself after this as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In other words, I believe that one of the things that the Lord is sharing with us is that it takes all of the generations to get all of the promises. And I believe that's in some ways why the enemy works to divide the generations because he knows that if the generations can come together, there is immense blessing that comes together. So uh, Pastor Zach was telling me about this, our, our location pastor in, in Lake Norman. By the way, um, y'all, aren't you proud of your you were talking about our spiritual children. Aren't you proud of our spiritual kids? I was watching Pastor Wesley. Harrisburg's a year old today. Come on, somebody, somebody give uh, God glory for that. Pastor Wesley, 24 years old, however. I'm like, that kid has grown so much. I was, I was watching him online last week and just so proud of him. And so proud of all that God is doing in and through him. God has, uh, in the last three months, God has doubled our Lake Norman congregation. They're, they're just, God's doing amazing things out there. And so just, I, I, I hope in a good way, you're proud of your, your spiritual children, but uh, Pastor Zach texted me and he was telling me about a game that his family played over the holidays called Mind the Gap. Anybody ever played this? I'd never heard of it. I actually went to Walmart to see if they had it yesterday and they, and they didn't. But here's the, the premise of the game is that it's a, it's a family game that is supposed to be played with all of the generations. And so uh, it has the boomers and the Xers, the millennials and Gen Z. And there's questions across arts and entertainment, and pop culture and, and, and all of these different things across all four of these generations. And so each team ideally has somebody, has a representation from each of those generations. And so they got to lean in together, all right? So we're going we're gonna to try a few of these. Let's test our, our generational wisdom in the house today. So let's start with boomers and up. So boomers 55 and up in the house. Can anybody name three of the original members of the Jackson 5? Come on, boomers. Come, oh, I, I know you only listen to Christian music growing up. I, know, I understand that, but can any... Can any heathen in the house, did anybody have one year of rebellion? Tito, Michael, 
Jermaine, there you go. Good job. Good job. All right. Point for the boomers. What film, boomers, what film is most closely associated with James Dean as a juvenile delinquent? Rebel Without a Cause. Yes. All right. Here we go. So boomers are two for two. Gen X. Gen X. Ready? So who was the legendary fedora-wearing coach of the Dallas Cowboys? Tom Landry, very good. In 1986, what space shuttle tragedy occurred? Challenger, excellent, excellent, Gen X, two for two. All right, millennials, late 20s, early 30s, here we go. What does it mean if somebody calls you the goat? Yes, that took a while for me to, I was like, wait, what? Are you calling? Okay, but uh, millennials, what was the first rule of Fight Club? Don't talk about Fight Club. Very good. We're, we're six for six. You see what happens when the generations come. You see the power here. Like we'd take on any, bring on any other church in the county. We'll take them down. <laughs> Gen Z. All right, we're relying on you, Gen Z. Take us home. Name the Disney movie with a video game villain who wants to be a hero. Very good. And left me, I couldn't even say this right in the, in the 830 service, left me on red. Yeah, means what? Yeah. So you know how you have, you can set on your iPhone so that it will show, why? <laughs> Mine is not on that. You will never know if I read your text message or I didn't. And that way, if it takes me three days to text back, oh, pastor must have just been busy, must have missed it. Now you know my secret. No, no, but, but yeah, so left me on read means you read it, but you didn't text me back. But here's the, here's the simple thought of this game, and it's, it's brilliant. It takes all the generations to win. What a powerful spiritual principle. And again, I believe that's why that's the, the devil knows it. He tries to separate generations using silly things, sometimes using philosophical things, sometimes using taste and dress and style and music and culture because he knows that when the generations come together under the power of Jesus Christ and worshiping the same risen Savior in the power of the Holy Spirit, there is no force on earth that can stop a generational church from moving forward and taking more territory. It's power. It's power in the generations. Let me explain it a different way. Let me explain it with fire. With fire. So I've got, uh, I've got two fireplaces in my, in my house, two wood-burning fireplaces. This is the one in the upstairs in the living room, and then we've got one in the downstairs in the den. And, and I, I just I've become like a connoisseur of fire. This is much better than I was when I was eight years old, and Sean McElhaney showed me what you could do with WD-40. Never mind. That's, a, that's another story for another time. But this is building a fire in a, in, a much better, in a much better way. Pretty good fire. I don't know if it was like that for all of three minutes, and maybe it died down, but I made sure that I snapped a, a, a fire. But what I've learned in building a fire is that there are to have a really good fire, 
Like not just a, a flash fire and oh, like, wow, that's, that's nice for a little bit, but to have a long lasting, heat producing, really good fire, there are three layers to any great fire. One is the coals, and then you've got to have fuel, and then you continually need to be adding new wood. And so I want to, want to talk about this as relating to the generations. So the coals are those of you who are 55 and up. Come on, wave at me, coals, wave at me in the house. Thank you so much. By the way, coals, I want to tell you this. The secret to a powerful fire are the coals. Secret to a powerful fire. You can have a fire that looks good for a couple of minutes, but if you want a long-lasting, heat-producing fire, you better make sure that you're attending to the coals. I believe with all of my heart that the future seizing church of Jesus Christ in the United States of America will rally and mobilize the 55 plus community like never before. Your best days are not behind you. You are, you're some hot on fire coals for Jesus and you're doing amazing things. But with every, with every possibility, there's also temptations, right? So what's the temptation of the coals? The temptation of the coals can be to become isolated. Here's what I've noticed. As soon as the coal from the fire becomes isolated from the rest of the fire, it dies out very quickly. But as soon as I take that coal and move it back underneath the fire, not only does the coal ignite, but the rest of the fire takes off too. Coals are so important. Think of this in our, just in our society, the vibrancy of 55 plus communities. Think of the resources of, of finances, of time, of, of prayer, of wisdom. Other generations, can I say this to you? Just because you have the information of the ages at your fingertips does not mean you have the wisdom of the ages. We've got to lean into our, our parents and grandparents' generation like never before and then the fuel. The fuel, 30 to 55, 30 to 55ers wave at me in the house. Listen, in many ways, these are the building blocks of the church. The building blocks of the church. The temptation of the fuel, if the temptation of the coals is to remain isolated, the temptation of the fuel is to keep letting the coals do all the work. Can I give you a definition of a mature adult? One definition of a mature adult. A mature adult is somebody that realizes that Christmas doesn't just happen. Do you, do you remember when that happened to you? Like, like when you were, oh, oh, wait a second. Somebody's got to decorate the house. Somebody actually has to buy the presents. Somebody has to put a lot of thought into the planning of the meal. Somebody has to cook a lot. And then when everybody else leaves and goes home and crashes, somebody's got to clean up all the mess. A mature adult realizes that Christmas doesn't just happen. Can I give you one definition of a mature Christian? A mature Christian realize that realizes that church doesn't just happen. Oh, somebody, the presence of God, somebody's on their face at six o'clock in the morning at 21 days of prayer seeking God. Somebody's out there parking cars. Somebody's watching kids in the nursery. Somebody's learning chords on the stage to bring us into the presence of God. And I want to say thank you to all the multipliers in the house. Come on, give, give God thanks for all the multipliers that realize, oh, tribes don't just happen. No. 
And there's a, there's a maturity there. And I want to call the fuel of our church. It's your time. It's your time to lead. It's your time to be a multiplier. It's your time to take on the mantle that God has given you. You want to make me mad? You want to make me mad? Tell me you're adulting. I hate that word. You're not an adulting, sweetheart. You're an adult. It's not cute to pay the bills. Pay the bills. You're an adult now. That's what it's, that's what it's called. There, that's my little pet peeve. I feel better. <laughs> but there's a, there is a generation that the enemy is trying to keep in this quasi-adolescence and relying on their parents' and grandparents' generation. And I, I cut the umbilical cord from you in Jesus' name. You're a man, you're a woman, and I bless you to step into your adult life with the fullness of the power. I'm not saying, listen, are there times and seasons when we, when we lean into some help from our parents and grand? Of course, I'm not talking about all of that and putting guilt, but I'm just saying in general, there is these 30 to 55, it's time to step into the fullness of what God has for you. And then, and then the new wood, the under 30. We, if you are not continually feeding new wood on the fire, it goes out. Somebody, somebody gave this definition. I love it. They said the definition of a healthy church is when their nurseries and their spiritual nurseries are full. I love that, that we've got to be continually pouring into the next generation, mentoring the next generation. By, by the way, listen to this. Gen Z, they asked Gen Z what the top needs in their life were. Do you know what they said? Uh, three things. Number one, who am I? Number two, why am I here? Number three, what am I supposed to do with my life? Hello, are these not answered through the gospel you are, a, you are a child of the Most High God with Ephesians 4, Apes gifting. You're a, you're a Jedi. Go change the world. And then listen to this. They want mentors. They want mentors. More than 25% of Gen Z report having one or fewer adult mentors, but four out of five says, I want one. Think of the need in our community for us to step in and be mentors to the next generation, working in the nursery and in kids ministry and in youth ministry. There's an incredible opportunity to fill, to fuel that new wood. That new wood brings energy and that new wood brings excitement. But here's the, here's the, the temptation of the new wood. The temptation, so, so under 30s wave at me. Here's the temptation of the new wood to think that you started the fire. In the words of the great theologian Billy Joel, we didn't start the fire. It was always burning since the world's been turning. And yes, you had like, thank you for your energy. Thank you for your excitement. Thank you for your new ideas. Thank you for your vision. Thank you for all of that. We need you desperately in the church. Just make sure you're always honoring those who went before you. And as you honor the past, God will bless you forward. Here's a couple of final thoughts about fire, and, and I'll, I'll bring us to a, a point of response here. Here's what I've found about fire. If you leave it alone, it dies. Have you found that? Like, like fire that you want to, to, to build. 
Um, I've never built a fire in my fireplace and walked outside to do yard work and come back in and been like, oh, wow, this fire is better now than when I've left it. Here's what I've noticed. You, gotta, you have to continually add new wood. You got to continue. The logs will, will split and some will roll off. And so you got to take them and continually. And so you've got to continually poke and, and prod and rearrange. And I just, I just, that's one of my, that's God sent me to multiply churches. That's one of my spiritual gifts as a pastor. Pastor, why are you changing this? Why are you, I just got used to nine o'clock. Why are you moving to nine? Not, why are you changing this? Why are you doing this? Because if we aren't continually poking and prodding at the fire, it'll go out. And I never want our fire to go out. And then I said this about the the first part, but this is true of all of it. If any part becomes isolated, it dies. And so that's why corporate worship gatherings are so important. That's why praying together is so important. That's why tribes together are so important because we say that we will be a church of all generations. We will be a church of the fullness of the fire, a church that does not push out its aged to the outskirts with a polite nod of you had your day, but instead restores a culture of honor and leans into our story, craving the wisdom of a bygone era. A church where the promises of the fathers and mothers are fulfilled through the sons and daughters. A church not only of children's ministry or youth ministry, but children in ministry and youth in ministry. A church of generations standing shoulder to shoulder, side by side as, a, as multipliers in the marketplace. So it says this in verse 7, it says that Abram, Abram's promise was for him and his descendants, and his descendants. But in verse 8, where Abraham built this fire, so Abram was his name before God changed it, and Abraham was his name after God changed it, so sometimes I'll use those inter, interchangeably, but same person. But in verse 8, it says where he built this fire. And, and, and so I think this is very significant. Anytime that you read in scripture the names of places, understand that those places aren't just put there. They're, they're significant. They're not just names that you can't pronounce. There's meaning behind those names. And so it says this in verse 8. After that, Abram traveled south and set up camp in the hill country with Bethel to the west and Ai to the east. And it says, there he built another altar and dedicated it to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord. So I want you to get this picture. There's Ai on the one side, and there's Bethel on the other side. And so Ai means this. Ai simply means house of ruins. And and let's be honest, that when we look out upon our nation, we look out upon our society. We look out upon the, even you hear the, the statistics of how people are, are, the generations are leaving the church. It can look like, it can feel like that, hey, this is, this is AI. This is the, this is a heap of ruins. Like turn, turn on the news for all of 30 seconds, right? And, and, and this feelings of being overwhelmed and what's happening and what's happening to, to America. And it can look like a heap of, of ruins. But the question is this, which of these were true? Cause this is where a, Abraham woke up and Abraham and the promises of Abraham was God was saying, Abraham, you're going to step into the fullness of promises. Abraham, the generations are going to, are going to step forward. You are going to receive the generational promises of the Lord. And so which was true? Was it AI? Was it heap of ruins? But I want you to see on the other side was Bethel. Bethel means house of God. And I believe that the church in America is in a critical moment. Church, I believe that we are in a critical moment in history. 
history where we have to make the choice which is true. I'm telling you, these two forces are at war. They are at war in our nation. And the enemy is trying to turn our cities. And he's trying to turn our churches. And he's trying to turn our schools. And he's trying to turn the, the, the principles upon which we were founded on. He's trying to turn it into a heap of ruins. And I don't believe we're in AI, but I do believe that we're between those two things. And that the enemy is trying to pull churches into AI. All your best days are behind you. But I also believe on the other side that God is building house, the house of God. He is building house, a house of his presence, a house of his promises, a house of future, a house of blessing, a house of anointing, a house of the generations. And I want you to watch what Abraham did in the middle. What did he do? He built an altar. He built an altar. And I believe that God is calling us as a church to build a fire in between those two things and say on our watch we are not going to stand by and watch the generations fall into ruins but we are going to rekindle the fire of God we're going to rekindle prayer we're going to rekindle praise we're going to rekindle mentoring we are going to rekindle a church that is for all generations we are going to rekindle the fire of God this is has, has spiritual implications, but it has, it has very real natural implications as well. I'm thinking back to this past fall, and um, we, were, we were regathering, and, and a lot of people were, were coming back to live, uh, live services at that time. And so we did a, a, a fall family festival. So we really didn't advertise it much to the community. We just we advertised it to, to our people because that's really who, who that event was for. We had some inflatables out in front of the, the youth area and some hay rides and some different things, some food. And uh, Pastor, Pastor Nikki, there was all kinds of people out there. It was a super fun afternoon. So Pastor Nikki, you know, who had only been here, our, our children's pastor, she'd only been here for a few months at the time. She walked around. She told me this afterwards. But she, she like documented it. She counted it. She talked to, to 50 families, 50 families with kids. And she, you know, her being new and it's easier for her to ask, oh, oh how, long, how long have you been coming to multiply? And she told me that 75% of the families at that event weren't, weren't multiply families. They were just people from big lots and cookout. They just just came. I want, I want you to see a couple things. Number one, I want you to see the craving in our community for things for, for kids and for the generations. Like we had one little yard sign at Waffle House, I think that said, that said fall festival. And all of these families in our community started, started showing up. And now I, I want you to think about something I was, um, so we've been in our house for for almost five years now. And yesterday, I put on a light cover in a, in a circular uh, thing in our kitchen that was just exposed wires. Y'all know me. I'm not super mechanical. It was two screws. Like, all it took was just put... I went to Lowe's, and I got a metal cover, popped it on there, two, two screws, put it on there. Four, four years later, what? Why? Because the first week you move into your house, you're like, oh, I really need to do that. And the 
Two months later, you're like, oh, I kind of need to do that. And four years later, you don't even, you don't even notice it. Can I, can I show you a crack in our sidewalk? So I want you to think about something. Think of the, the need of families in our, our community. We want something for our kids. So family moves here from, from New York and they're trying to get their, their kids in school and they're like, oh, maybe let's try this church thing. We haven't been in church for a few years. Why don't we try church and drove by that place and that big multiply sign up there. Let's, let's try that. And so they get their kids up and, and they're a little bit nervous about, you know, they haven't been in a church setting in a while. And so the five-year-old and an eight-year-old and their kids are kind of fussing at each other in the back seat on the way to church and they're trying to be presentable. And they, they walk in on a Sunday morning, they're running a little bit behind and already and not knowing what to expect. And, and they walk in and, and we have to tell them, uh, they ask the question, hey, do you have anything for our kids? And we have to tell them, oh, yeah, but you have to go outside and you have to get back into your car and you have to go all the way across the street and you have to drop them off with complete strangers that you've never met and trust us. And then you come back all the way over and that's only going to take about 20 minutes. Do you, do you see some? Yeah, <laughs> some of you are like, I do it every week, pastor. I know, I know the challenges. <laughs> But we kind of get into a routine, don't we? What if, what if, can I throw something out to you? What if one of the things that God might be calling us to do during this series is not just to bring the generations together spiritually through prayer and worship and all those things is very important. But what if we considered bringing the generations together physically? What, do you remember, do you remember the, uh, the service we did? Some of you were here when we did the service in Suite 8 for our 63rd anniversary over in Suite 8. Wasn't that cool? Like, hey, I dropped my kid here, and the nursery was right here, and then the adults worshiped here, and the youth were over here, and then we all came together in the lobby afterwards and, and ate together, and there was just, there was something, there was something pretty cool, and I heard a lot of people talking afterwards, like, hey, why don't we, why don't we, why don't we, and I'm just, so I'm just gonna, so pastor, why are you doing prayer over in Suite 5? Can we pray about it? Can we pray about what, what it might look like to bring the generations together and to, to step into a posture in this community of pulling together the power of generations? But here's what I want us to do in this moment. Would you go ahead and stand? I want us to now just take a moment and just, and maybe only, only two minutes. I, I, I know I've gone over a little bit here, but if you'll allow me just, just two minutes to step in could, I, I know we're going to be doing this during the next 21 days and we're going to be focused prayer time on the next generations, but, but can we plant some seeds at the altar right now, maybe just with heads bowed and eyes closed? Can we just say that, that in this season where the enemy is trying to build houses of AI, places of ruins, and he's trying to tear down generations, and he's trying to tear down all sorts of things. Can we say that as families, as parents, as grandparents, as single adults, as people that don't yet have children, maybe you're unmarried, but can we just say that we will build altars to build the house of God, that we want to build the house of God. And so as the worship team just begins to lead us, 
us. I wonder if some prayer warriors in the house, if some, some, some of all the generations, I just want to open up these altars. And can we just take a few minutes to pray this prayer and speak this blessing? Come on, would you just begin to come forward? Let's just for two minutes turn this place into an altar. Let's build a fire of the generations. Let's have millennials and Gen Z and boomers and Xers coming together. And let's just begin to declare God's favor over our families. Let's begin to declare his promises over our grandchildren. Let's begin to sing this and let's begin to bless our communities with favor. Oh God, we want to be a church of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God, we want to step into the fullness of your fire. God, we don't want to be isolated. We don't want to be away, oh God, but we want the fullness of the promises of God to come in this place, oh God. We bless the generations, oh God. to call out some names of your kids begin to call out some names single adult maybe maybe you desire for the lord to bring in bring your spouse into your life and just begin to ask him for that or maybe couple who is a desiring children would you just begin to ask for the generational promises of the lord but god we bless our generations we bless our generations i bless you right now i bless you would you receive this blessing according to the word of God that the Lord will make you great that he will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others the Lord will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt and all of the families on this earth will be blessed through you With heads still bowed and eyes still closed, the only way that you can step into the fullness of the blessing is through Jesus. You can't earn this blessing. You can't work it up. It's receiving it through Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross. And so if there's anybody today within the sound of my voice that would say, Pastor, I'm not living that blessed life. I'm living a cursed life because I'm away from Jesus. Would you just pray a prayer that says something like this? Say, Jesus, forgive me. I don't want to live away from you any longer. I come to the cross. I repent of my sin. Help me, Jesus, to live wide awake to the love of God and fully alive to my purpose in Jesus' name. Church, are we, can we just believe for the fullness of the generational promises of God? Come on, for every generation in the house, for our kids, for our grandkids, we will step in and I bless you with those promises in Jesus' name.